Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here for another episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ethan Norvell, who is the greenhouse manager at Salad Days Produce, an 18,000 square foot hydroponic lettuce operation located in Flora, Mississippi. Salad Days grows a variety of lettuces year round in an NFT, nutrient film technique, recirculating system. Ethan and the Salad Days team is committed to growing healthy food in Mississippi and the surrounding region. Ethan, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Michael. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Tell me a little bit about uh, the operation. What kind of different crops do you grow? So we are completely a uh, lettuce, hydroponic lettuce operation. Okay. Um, we have transitioned to that point, to this point that we're at now of just lettuce Um in the past year, really. Um, in July of 2019, we took out our last crop of uh, tomatoes. Okay. And um, yeah, we just, there, there were several things that led us to that, to that path. The writing was on the wall. And I can I can get further into that, but um, yeah. So we we're all lettuce now, um, all eighteen thousand square feet, um, and it's all uh, NFT. All right. So talk to us about the tomatoes. When you pulled those out, was just that being a mixed operation wasn't profitable? Was there plenty of local tomatoes that were making your, your profits not able, uh, not work on them for that system or? Yeah. So, um, there were, there were two, well, in my head, I kind of bring it down to two key things, um, that made the most sense. Um, so, for one, we had a greater, we had a growing interest in the lettuce. Uh Um, and at the time we did not have, um, we did not have enough lettuce in in production basically. So, um, obviously at the time it was half and half, the square footage was split half and half, 9,000 square feet, lettuce, 9,000 square feet, uh, tomatoes. And, um, for, for, I guess probably about most of that last of, of that year of, uh, that last crop, um, we, we increasingly had more people wanting lettuce, more new customers wanting lettuce and, and, um, existing customers wanting more lettuce than, than tomatoes. And so, um, it was, you know, it was kind of one of those things where you're like, okay, how, how do we, you know, we only have so much, uh, so many positions, in this yep. space. And it's not like we can just till up, um, another area and, you know, drop in some lettuce. And, um, so the, the, the writing kind of started, you know, we kind of started hinting at it. And I mean, it was, we would have probably a year prior and, you know, 2018, we would have never dreamed of, ta- of not having tomatoes. Um, it's something that, that the, the, founders, the owners, the, the operators of the farm, um, Lee and Jamie, they, um, it was just something that they, you know, when you think of salad, you think of lettuce and tomatoes, it's just something that works. And, um, so, but yeah, um, so there was, there was the increasing demand for lettuce. And then, um, the other thing is that, uh, it was our best crop of tomatoes that we had produced, um, and I believe it was my, I believe it was my fourth crop of tomatoes with them. Um, and it was the, it was the best, best crop of tomatoes I'd ever seen. We spent a lot of time, a lot of labor on them. Um, some, at least one person had to be manning the tomatoes every day doing something. Um, and, and we really dug in, got, got some things locked in, got our, um, 
environmental controls locked in a lot better than what they have been in past crops. Um, got our spraying regimen down. Um, it was just, you know, we were doing all the right things all the right time. Um, ended up producing the most, um, most amount of tomatoes we'd ever produced. And um, at the end of the day, when you added it all up, it still didn't really make money for you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's um, kind of sad in a way that the best crop, uh, best looking crop, the, the crop that gave you the um, biggest quantity uh, in the, in the, in the, at the end of the day, it just didn't add up financially um, to keep doing it. And, and we were all, I'd say that last year, year and a half, maybe even two years of, of tomatoes, we had some things uh, come up. I, I mean, uh, within that time, I had had a child um, that was, you know, of course, you know, you, you need more family time then. Um, mm -hmm. We had an uh, employee, uh, really the main employee that was handling the tomatoes uh, got pneumonia. He was out for like two and a half months, I think it was. Oh, and wow. it just it just became a jungle in there um and uh we just had lots of different things that that you know like i said th this was all prior to that last crop but it was kind of like oh man if, if 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 we don't if we can't make it on on this last crop and 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 get things dialed in um then is you know it's just not not gonna work and and like i said we got things dialed in we thought we thought it was all good and it was and then added up the money later, so to speak. And it just, things just didn't add up, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you ran your enterprise budgets at, or enterprise recap budgets at the end of the year, it just didn't pay mm -hmm. off for itself. What kind of pricing were you getting for your wholesale tomatoes at that point? Okay. Uh, let me think. That's going <laughs> to tax gonna you a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause that feels like it's so long now, especially after this year that we've had, um, we were selling, so we did them in 10 pound flats. Yep. Um, the beef steaks, we did, I want to say 25 bucks for a 10 pound flat. Okay. Um, the heirloom tomatoes, we did um, 35 bucks, I believe, for a 10 okay. pound flat. Um, the cherry tomatoes, we did. I believe they were like somewhere around 30, 30 bucks for 10, for a 10 pound flat. I want to say that's, that's at least close. If not, I may, I may be all five, five bucks or so on the cherries, but uh, that that's the ballpark of them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, those are even decent prices too. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting that you weren't able to make it work with that system. All right. Well, that's very interesting. So let's talk a little bit more about the lettuce then. If you're just growing one crop and I've seen the pictures, mm -hmm. you're doing a lot of different colors and shapes mm -hmm. and stuff. What kind of different products are you offering with your lettuce? So uh, we've got, um, our one main product that we really try to push is the, um, we call it our mix lettuce. Um, and it contains usually at least four different types of lettuce. Um, we try to make sure that each box has um, a red smooth, a green smooth, a red curly and a green curly. Okay. Um, just in, in our mind, um, you know, when you think of a mixed lettuce, um, you've got uh, lots of different textures and lots of colors. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's kind of our main product that we try to push. Um, and then um, we also do increasingly, um, I would say increasingly this year over, over 2020, we've done a lot more uh, wholesale bib. Okay. Um, and uh, wholesale romaine. And then we also do, um, our, our business has, has greatly picked up uh, with what we do, a, um, a mixed clamshell and a bib clamshell. Very cool. And is that because of the COVID has just kind of changed your marketing outlets and just the different crops that people have been looking for? Um, so we had always done uh, some clamshells um, to, you know, two or three, uh, grocery stores usually, uh, so occasionally a fourth one. Okay. Um, and, 
and then with uh, with COVID, I mean, it it jumped so drastically. Um, I think I think uh, in March, I think February's clamshells were something like a total of, um, you know, it was something maybe like seventy or eighty clamshells for the whole month. And these are like um, clamshell cases, like a 12, 12 count clamshell okay. cases. Yep. Um, it jumped from maybe like seventy or eighty cases to in March it was I want to say like two hundred and seventy. So wow. it was yeah it was such a dramatic increase and it's and it stayed it stayed that that high um, just up until recently um, it started to dip down uh, with the clamshells but um, we and it's so funny it's just like you you never know what's going to happen because we we spent. Uh, I would say the past two years trying to go completely wholesale, getting, getting rid of the tomatoes was part of it. Um, we, we were kind of always doing less and less clamshells. Um, we have one Whole Foods account. So it was, it was most of the clamshells were going to them. Um, and then our local, uh, grocer here in our small town. Um, and, uh, but then, you know, <laughs> of course, like everybody else, uh, 2020 hit COVID-19 hit. And it's just the exact opposite. You have to, we actually opened the farm back up. We used to do, um, uh, a farmer's market every Saturday here at the farm. Uh, just, we have a nice porch, uh, setting, uh, off, off of our main office. And we just set up a nice little, uh, almost kind of like a road front, uh, uh, mm-hmm. farmer's market. And we used to do that all the time. And that's, that's how, that's how, uh, a lot of the produce got moved originally. And, uh, like I said, we wanted to move away from that, um, because it was just, it was just not, uh, enough bang for the buck, I guess you'd say. And, um, we definitely went totally toward that, uh, selling, selling directly to the public even, um, through most of this year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so the wholesale market has just fell and fallen off or is it just the retail market has grown so much that it's just increased your production overall? Yeah. So uh, initially in March, the wholesale market completely fell off. Okay. Um, um, I mean, there was, you know, the first week or two, it was, it was more or less like no, no restaurants. No, uh, well, I wouldn't say no grocery stores. The grocery stores were, were ordering more uh, actually. Uh, no restaurants though. And, um, so, you know, we're, we're sit, sitting here with, uh, you know, looking at lettuce that's got to come out and, uh, you know, and, um, it's like, okay, well, we, we got to bag this stuff up into individual bags and, and sell it to, uh, sell it to the public directly. And, uh, and, um, we, we, there, there's a farm right next door to us. Um, that's, that's, more or less on the same property. Um, and they do a CSA. And so we, we started, uh, putting it in their CSA. And then, um, I'm sure you've heard a lot of people around the country doing the, um, like the weekly farm boxes that started up. A lot of people started doing those. Absolutely. And, um, so they really, uh, our, our neighbor farmers, uh, they, they kind of started their CSA early. It was, it was more or less the farm weekly farm boxes, and we basically did that conjoin with them for two or three weeks. And then we said, okay, we, we need to start our own. Um, and we think we can reach some other folks by having our own. And so we started aggregating um, products as well. Um, but yeah, we were still selling, selling lettuce to them to go into their farm boxes, into their um, regular CSA boxes as well. And then also into our, you know, quote unquote farm boxes. Um, so yeah, we, we were just scrambling, trying to find, um, a way to, uh, to, to get rid of it and, uh, to sell it, make, you know, try to make as much money on it as possible. Um, because we, we were, uh, having to donate, um, not, I wouldn't say a lot, but we did donate a good bit to, um, charities in the area. Mm, Absolutely. So talk to me about how you got started farming. What was your background? So I've been involved with, you know, playing with plants and, and ha- having my hands in the, in the dirt and, and being in the yard or whatever. Um, my whole life, um, I 
kind of jokingly tell people that when I was about 11 or 12, I kicked my parents out of the yard and told them I was going to handle it from now on. <laughs> um, so um, I, I knew from an early age that I wanted to, um, I wanted to do something with plants. I want to do something outside. Um, and I always, um, we always grew at least a small garden, um, always helped my neighbors with their gardens, helped my grandparents with their gardens. Um, and in junior high, high school, I built a little, you know, uh, uh, makeshift greenhouse and um, did uh, spring uh, veggies, uh, veggie starts and sold those um, to, to people in my area. And um, then going to community college uh, for two years, still trying to figure out, you know, what do I want to do? Um, how do I want to go about this? Um, or, or do I, do I really want to, you know, do something with plants? Um, I, you know, a lot of people that, that are involved, um, where I'm from with, you know, quote unquote plants or, you know, um, they get into the nursery business, they get into landscaping. Um, and I had, I had kind of had my feel of that, of just working in people's yards through high school. Um, so, you know, I, like I said, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, there, my, I guess it was my first year of college. Um, I read, um, Michael Pollan's In Defense of Food and, uh, and was taking a, um, I believe it was some sort of voluntary class. It, you know, didn't count for any kind of credits or anything like that. Um, that we talked about um, the current food system and um, the, you know, uh, about how a lot of modern food is um, void of um, nutrients compare comparatively of how, how uh, a lot of foods that's found in the wild and, and that sort of thing. Um, so it just really, I guess you say captivated me and captured me and, um, drew my interest into farming specifically, um, okay. not just, you know, ornamentals, um, but specifically growing food. And, um, so yeah, I just, um, I, I, uh, ended up going to continuing my, um, my college career at Mississippi state and, uh, getting a horticulture degree. Um, it, uh, you know, I still at that point didn't have a whole lot of experience, you know, uh, with farming, at least looking back, I would say that, um, I had a lot of experience growing plants, um, grew lots of plants, knew how to grow, grow stuff. Um, um, but, um, you know, Mississippi state being the kind of college it is, it focuses more on like, um, you know, bigger, bigger agricultural row cropping and that sort of thing. Um, but it was, it was, uh, incredible to pick the, pick the minds of those professors and see where that, um, intersection of, uh, of, uh, organics, um, because, uh, that, that's kind of, that's kind of when I was in college, that was kind of a big, uh, it, it was, it was just kind of starting, I guess you could say, starting to kind of take root in Mississippi then, um, farms in the area uh were were starting to sprout up um and it was kind of a hot hot button uh um debate on campus then and um there were lots of professors that had uh, interesting opinions of of uh organic versus conventional and and all that sort of thing so it was it had lots of uh, i learned a lot from uh the professors uh various professors there at, at state but um but yeah so i finished up there um and um, I, in community college, I, I met my now wife. Um, we, we actually went to separate schools to finish college um, and um, dated long distance, long distance dated. Um, and uh, we both decided uh, you know, we were, we were, we were get married uh, when we finished college. And so we um, both graduated in December 
got married uh, January 2016 and both started um, working the next week. So I was kind of under a crunch uh, between October 2015 um, and January to find a job. She had had uh, got a job already in the Jackson, Mississippi area. And uh, so that's that's where I started looking and just so happened that a uh, classmate of mine at Mississippi State um, had interned for Lee and Jamie uh, here at Salad Days the the follow the preceding summer, and um, he said, "Yeah, why don't you call up these guys? They're doing hydroponics, uh, you know, growing growing lettuce and tomatoes. Uh, you know, you you would probably like it." So uh, I just cold called them and um, um, chatted with them, come for a visit. And, um, they told me to, to, you know, come whenever, basically <laughs> whenever the honeymoon was over and, uh, and they would see what I was made of. So I've been here ever since. <laughs> very cool. That's, that's a very cool story. So you, ta- you mentioned the organic aspect of you know, going to school and learning that aspect. What's your thoughts on the, uh, I guess the, the current, um, disagreement or thoughts on is, you know, hydroponic organic or not? Yeah, yeah, I would be happy to speak to that. So we are not organic at Salad Days. Um, I do, I do believe that there is, in my opinion, there seems to be some confusion about um, and different, different lines in the sand, I guess you could say drawn about what is organic and what isn't. And I understand all of that. Um, So, um, I think, I think you can be organic and hydroponic um, because it goes back to um, what you're putting in the plants. If you're, if you're using um, an organic um, fertilizer, um, then, then an organic media to start those plants, then uh, yeah, I, I would say that you're organic. If you're using organic sprays um, that, you know, anything that touches the, the food, um, the plants, then I would say, yeah, you're, you're organic. Um, it um, I, I do understand people's concerns about you know it not being grown in the soil. Um, I I do have a uh, have a passion for growing growing things in the soil. I have um, I have I plant more stuff in my yard than um, than I can take care of. Yeah, <laughs> because 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 I don't get my hands actually in the soil at work. You know, um, so. Um, yeah, I mean, it, for me, it's not, a, it's not an either or it's a all encompassing. It's, it's that we all, we all need, I mean, how should I say it? Now, I guess not to sound like, um, cuddly or anything, but we all kind of need each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, um, you know, I mean, how can we work together instead of being divisive? How, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like I said before, uh, talking about my, my big, uh, row crop professors at state i mean um you know they they knew about cotton and soybeans and corn and rice um but i could still learn something from them and mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. because they didn't think uh or some of them didn't think there was much to be said for uh organic farming or gardening or what have you doesn't mean that uh the knowledge that they had uh was just to be you know not to be listened to or thrown away or whatever mm-hmm. um so yeah, I mean, um, we yeah we we we're clear to tell people that you know we we are not certified organic. Um, we um, you know that's because the uh, nutrients that we use are not labeled as organic. Um, the sprays we use are labeled organic. They're all OMRI approved. Okay. Um, so, um, but yeah, we're very open and 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 upfront about what we, what we are. And we, you know, like I said, it's, it's kind of different people have their own definitions because it's such a um, fluid thing, I guess you could say, but um, that's, that's where we try to plant Mm. our flag, I guess. Gotcha. So talk to me, do you use any beneficial insects in the houses to manage like aphids and that sort of thing? We definitely have before now, since we've, um, been well i'll say we did with with the tomatoes okay we felt we felt better doing it with the tomatoes because um 
it's it's hard to um, for a for a ladybug uh, uh, to get mixed in with a tomato. You know, you can see it. Yes. Um, yeah. Versus a ladybug, for example, can hide down in a head of lettuce. Uh huh. And um, you know that may not be a bit. I mean that for us personally, that's, that's not a, you know, a big deal. I mean, I would just pick it out and eat it, you know, eat the lettuce. <laughs> yeah. But we, we don't want, we don't want that getting to the restaurants and, and then somebody going, Oh, okay. There's, there's yeah. bugs in this, you know? Um, so, so yeah, we, we have not used any since we've been, um, you know, really since the t- we've been out of the tomato business. Um, but, uh, I know, I believe there's a um, there's a beneficial mite that's like tiny, tiny, tiny that yeah. we've uh, I know we used it on the tomatoes um, for um, I think it was for thrips. OK, or maybe spider mites specifically uh, or maybe or maybe yeah, uh, the spider mites. Um, and then uh, we've had um, a few thrips on this lettuce um, here through the summer. And there was a little bit of conversation about some beneficial insects, but we took care of it um, without having to to get into the beneficials uh, with uh, Omri spray. So, yeah. Gotcha. Joining us for our marketing tip of the week is Cole Jones from Local Line. Cole, we want to talk all about home delivery. Talk to us. Why is that important for farmers? Hey, Michael. Obviously, it's uh, it's more important now than it ever has been, uh, given the circumstances around the pandemic. We also know that it's increasingly more important because as we change seasons, uh, you're going to have less folks coming outside to markets and doing pickups and probably more folks that are looking for home delivery. And so we've built out a whole bunch of content at Localine on how to actually set up profitable home delivery for uh, the first time, if you're doing it for the first time for your farm. Step number one is figuring out your cost of delivery. This is typically done on a per hour basis. So what we want to do is we want to figure out how much it's costing you each hour to have your truck on the road, right? What's the all in cost? Once you know that you can actually figure out what your minimum uh, order value is to break even and what your projected minimum order value would need to be to hit any target profit goals that you would have. And then that's basically how you design out how to offer home delivery is do you want to first establish what the appropriate minimum order is. And once you have that focus very intensely on as much density as possible. So the, the, the best thing to do is to not focus on 10 or 20 different neighborhoods. It's really to just focus in on one or two places and try to get as dense there as possible because the more density that you have in your delivery routes, the more profitable each drop uh, or each delivery is going to be. Mm. And then obviously you want to maximize the amount of products you're delivering. So if you're just offering like uh, microgreens, you know, delivering $12 of microgreens is going to cost you a lot. But if you're offering 40 or $50, like mixed box, that's going to be a heck of a lot more profitable. Absolutely. And that's where the minimum order value comes in. Right. And I think that's what you want to understand first is, all right, if it costs me, you know, $65 an hour to have my truck on the road, and I know that I can do, you know, three deliveries per hour, or whatever it is, as an example, right, then my break even is going to be, you know, six or $22 per order. And of course, we're not in this to break even, we're in this to make money. And so we need to figure out, okay, how do we get, as an example, uh, you know, that box uh, value to maybe 30 bucks, right? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's a really, really critical first step. We do see a lot of farms jump into home delivery because they know that they can get orders. But I think that if those orders aren't structured in a way that it's profitable for you, um, you know, it's not, it's probably not a good sustainable, you know, long-term thing. Absolutely. But we do have a delivery cost calculator and we have a minimum order value calculator all based on home delivery. These are on our our website, but I think maybe Michael, what we can do is we can link them in the show notes so that people can see them there. Absolutely. So if you go to www.thrivingfarmerpodcast.com and uh, type in this episode, we will link those right in the show notes. People can quickly and easily find that. Thanks, Cole. Thank you.
So let's talk about the process from, you know, you seeding the seed all the way to harvesting the lettuce. Does the seeding get done in like a, a smaller greenhouse area? Does it actually happen out in the big greenhouse? How does that happen? Yeah. So, um, and are we, you growing like in rock wood cubes? We grow in an oasis media. Okay. Have you, have you seen that yet? Uh, no, I'm not familiar with that one. Okay. So basically it's the same, uh, media. It's a little bit, uh, less dense, Okay. Uh, but it's the same media as the oasis, um, flower arranging foam. Oh, okay. Yep. I understand. Yeah. Um, and from what I understand, it's the same company. I, I could be wrong there, but I believe it's the same company. I know, I know they're both called Oasis. Um, so it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's less dense than the flower foam. Um, and, uh, it, it, we found that it works better. It's a little bit, those cubes are a little bit taller. Um, they just, they work better for our NFT system, um, okay. just in general. Um, there's a little bit of, um, residue that we get off of them that we try to leach out of the trays um before we seed um but um it's still some in the in the um in the system and and i think that adds a little bit to uh one of the big problems that we've found so far with our system is biofilm um yes and and uh <laughs> it's such a such a jolly thing to see um it's it's you know it's nobody um it's it's kind of funny because nobody sells a um it seems like nobody sells a hydroponic system or makes anything that's um easy to clean and so <laughs> you're kind of left with um you know oh okay uh everything you know we're growing we're growing uh oh the, there's algae starting to grow in these pipes how do we clean it out and, yeah and then you're left with trying to figure that out so um but uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting off your question. So we start the seating um, in our, what we call our head, head house. Okay. Um, we will wet down the Oasis cubes um, so that they're, they're uh, you know, consistently moist. Yep. And uh, drain off any extra water if we need to. Um, so you got a wet media there. Play, uh, go ahead and drop in the seed. We do this by hand. Okay. Um, and uh so it you know it i guess surprisingly it doesn't take as long as you think it would especially with with you know two people doing it we try not to get a, a ton of people doing it because we have found that the more people that do it the more uh error there is uh what am i trying to say the more error that you get yeah yes um, okay so um because people like to you know sit around and and chat and catch up or whatever and then you've forgotten how many seeds you put in each cube so <laughs> yes yeah okay um, so they go in the cube uh, how long are they in the head house for um depends on the time of the year like uh right now it's it's no big deal to seed them and just go ahead and take them straight out into the into the greenhouse and they can be left on the uh we have like a basically we have bread carts okay that, um that we just stack them you know they have shelves and um we just stack the trays upon and uh, they, you know, they don't need light uh, for the first, you know, two days basically um, while they germinate. And then, uh, so either you can take them straight out to the, to the greenhouse in the cooler months in the warm months, um, like what we just got, got out of um, you want to leave them in the head house in the air conditioning for about uh, two days, I would say. Okay. Now when in the summer, do you have your greenhouses with wet walls to keep the cooler or how do you manage the heat in the summer? Yeah. So we have uh, wet walls. Some people call them swamp coolers, I believe. And yep. um, um, they go the whole length of, uh, of uh, the whole greenhouse, the whole back of the greenhouse. Wow. Um, and um, um, I believe they're, I believe they're like four or five foot in, in um, height. Um, and so they give you a pretty good column of air, uh, is the idea of that anyway, that the, um, exhaust fans on the opposite side of the greenhouses, when they're on, they, they pull air through, uh, this wall of, um, it's, it's a cardboard material that's been, um, waxed basically and water drips over it. And, uh, when air pulls, gets pulled through it, it, um, humidifies the air, which cools the air which cools the plants um, and 
um, you know, it's basically a, air, you know, some, somewhat of an air conditioning system. Now, in, um, in this part of the country, um, you know, when it's hot, it's hot. So um, there's, you know, when you've got 90 to 100 percent humidity outside, there's, you can't really cool it because it's already humid air that you're pulling yes. through. Yeah. So you're, you're kind of just stuck with the temperature that you've got. That's where, um, shade cloth comes in. Okay. Um, now it was, it's, it was kind of, it was kind of a weird year for shade cloth because, um, I started pulling off, we put on some new shade cloth, um, experiment, experimented with some, um, white shade cloth to go over the outside of the greenhouses. Um, historically we have used, um, we've only used shade cloth inside and we just suspend it basically inside the greenhouse. Um, so that to us in our mind, it was a bigger task to have a massive, uh, shade cloth that's 30, you know, whatever, 33 yeah. feet wide by 90 or basically hundred feet long that you're having to kind of manhandle, you know, and get over the roof. In the long run, it, it ended up not being a, a big deal. Actually, I think it was easier to do the shade cloth over the outside. However, we found that with the age of our roofs, or at least my theory is with the age of our roofs, which um, are, I believe, six years old now, um, that basically they're, they're um, aged so much right now. They're cloudy, basically, yes. to the point that um, that. I had to take off um, the, that new shade cloth. And gotcha. what I did, what I did is um, we, we, um, we only got new shade cloths for three of the six bays. So I took off those three uh, cloths and um, got uh, three. It's basically, um, it will cover the owl, the owls and a little bit of the, of the um, lettuce, I guess you could say. Um, and put those up inside going down the aisles um, of those other of those three bays if that makes sense and what that does is it gives you it gives you a moving shadow through the day okay. and so and so it was enough to reduce the heat um, and um, and but it didn't give it didn't give us too much shade so so I, I know I know that's kind of odd and um, I've like I said, this is the first year we've we've really dealt with that. Um, I think if we had completely new roofs, then the then the um, the new white shade cloth, and I think that new white shade cloth, um, I think it's fifty percent reduction yeah. in light. Um, it that would probably be um, the ticket um, if have we you, had all new. Have you done anything with the silver uh, shade cloth? Yeah, yeah. Actually, the silver sh uh, shade cloth is what we. Um, uh, gosh, what's it called? Um, not Agrabond is what we, is what really Agrabond, the, the frost protection cloth is what we um, ori uh, originally used inside okay. because it was so cheap and, yep. um, you know, you can just cut it to whatever size you want, you know, and just, you know, basically put as many layers up and whatever as you want. And then um, I guess two, maybe three years ago, um, Illuminate. That's the word I'm looking yes. for. We, we got the Illuminate and, um, we got the Illuminate to cover two of the original three bays of, uh, lettuce, but we, we wanted to use it inside. So the way that our structural poles are inside the greenhouses, we had to get it in, um, basically three, three, uh, different runs yep, to cover, yep. you know, basically, basically one covers uh, 10 feet, the other covers 10 feet, the other covers the other 10 feet and they're all, you know, whatever, 96 feet long. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about the nutrient solution, because this is, that's a very important part of your, your system there. How often is it pumped through the, I'm assuming they're in like, uh, tr uh tracks or how, how are the lettuce? Are they in, uh, uh, I forget what it's called that there's, they're set into. Oh, the, the NFT uh, channels? Yes. Channels, yeah. that's the word I was looking mm -hmm. for, yeah. Yeah, some people say gutters. We, we tend yep. to say channels, so whatever, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a recirculating system. Um, so we have um, a tank in the back of 
uh, the greenhouse essentially. And we've got two pumps. Uh, one pump handles three of the bays. Uh, the other pump handles the other three bays. And um, it's, it's pumped up to, uh, to uh, a noodle, basically what we call a noodle. Um, I forget the size of those. Um, it's like the vinyl tubing. Yes. Yep. Like a little um, eighth inch or something. That's it. Yep. That's it. Yep. And uh, the noodle just goes right. There's a hole um, at the top uh, uh, of the of the channel, and um, and so from that point, it's just gravity that takes it down. The channels are all set on a slope, and the uh, the drain pipe is set on a slope to go back to the to the tank. And so from the point that the water goes in the channel, it's all gravity uh, back to the tank, and uh, it just recirculates. And then um, as the plants take up uh, water and nutrients um, and they transpire, um, it evaporates, there's leaks, what have you, um, then uh, our source water is on a, um, um, oh gosh, what's the, what's like the valve? Hudson valve. Is, Hudson Hudson valve. valve. That's yeah. exactly what it is, Hudson valve. Um, and so it just, uh, it just refills itself. And then we have a um, Blue Lab Dostronic that uh that uh corrects the ph in the ec okay and for correcting the ph you're using citric acid or um, sulfuric acid sulfuric mm -hmm. okay and that's just basically dripped in with a specific rate that you know is what the plants need or the that's water right. the water needs okay all mm -hmm. right and what's your cycle time so um cycle time as in like uh on, on, for a batch yes yeah from seed to cell Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, right now I was actually looking at these numbers cause I thought that you might, um, <laughs> I thought you might be asking about these, um, in, um, for, for 2020, um, from the first week of the year to week 44, which was last week, okay. um, the average number of days from seed to harvest was, is 55 days. Okay. Um, and we're actually up seven days from the average of the same time in 2019. But our our um, our uh, weight per position or head, if you want to say, is um, up by an uh, ounce and a half. So so I guess trade off, you know. Yes. Yeah. You're trying to get a little bit bigger of a head. And right. It takes a little bit longer. Okay. Right. So talk to me about the team you have, because it's not just you running the operation, right? Oh, no, 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 no. Um, so um, first and foremost, um, Lee, um, Lee and Jamie um, are my bosses. They are the owners and um, operators Okay. Um, because they're, they're definitely active. They're here every day. Um, they, um, you know, they do anything from, you know, actually running, uh, you know, running the business, the, you know, uh, making sure, you know, taxes are paid, people are paid, all that sort of thing to, uh, if I need them to pick lettuce, then they're right there. So, um, so I've got, um, Lee and Jamie, um, uh, myself, of course, um, I've got two other full-time, uh, employees, and then I've got five other, uh, or five, five additional, part-time employees. Oh, wow. Okay. So you have quite a team and what does the week schedule look like? So when does your, most of your product go out? Are you doing different things in every day or is it pretty, is it pretty the same thing every day? Um, yeah. So we, we, the schedule that has worked out, um, you know, for the past, you know, I'd say two months or say so, because it's, it has, it has changed a lot <laughs> over the course of this year. Um, Sundays, I end up spending about at least an hour, maybe two hours, just looking, looking over the crop, planning, uh, seeing what needs to be picked on Monday. Um, and then also just checking systems, making sure, you know, you know, everything's still getting water, uh, you know, the fans are working, whatever. Absolutely. Uh, and then usually uh, Jamie or Lee are, uh, they're up here, um, you know, in the morning, uh, Sunday morning to check. And I'm usually here Sunday, uh, Sunday evening to check. And then, so, um, Mondays are, uh, usually a really big picking day. 
So um, that's picking the lettuce out of the channels. That's uh, packing it into you know, wholesale boxes or clamshells to go to the grocery stores or bagging it um, so that we can sell it directly to consumers. Um, and then uh, you got to clean up. So, um, you, you know, we, we sweeping is a, is a really, really big thing here. Um, we sweep something every day. Um, and so we got to sweep up, the, sweep up the floor. Um, uh, we got to clean the channels, um, sanitize them, um, and then uh, transplant uh, new, new plants into those channels. So we try to do that. If we pick, we try to, you know, say if we pick something today, we try to get it clean today and we try to get it transplanted today so that things don't build up, you know? Yeah. And you're always keeping the greenhouse at hundred percent capacity, right? Is that also the exactly, goal? exactly. I can remember when I first started here, um, January, mid January of 2016 and taking pictures and looking back at those pictures and we would just have just channels, just empty channels or just like, <laughs> it's yeah. so crazy to think about now or just like half pick channels and it's like it's just it's it's amazing how much your business evolves and 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 how how much you learn over time so um on tuesdays um it's we do a little more picking um you know on mondays we may pick 120 channels okay. um and each channel has got 18 positions in it um so and then on Tuesdays, we may pick, you know, 50 to 80 channels, depending on what's needed. And um, Mondays tend to be uh, the day to, to pick and pack uh, wholesale uh, orders. And then Tuesdays tend to be the day to pick and pack for um, uh, clamshelling and, uh, and uh, re retail, basically. Okay. Um, and then same stuff on Tuesday. If you pick, then you clean up and you transplant. Okay. Um, so so how, are you, yeah, how are you finding the people that you're hiring? How do you get a, build a great team? Well, um, <laughs> it's honestly, it's um, most of the people that, that have stuck around and, enjoy, and you know, seem to enjoy it um they have kind of found us um i mean i it's, it's almost kind of like my my own story i you know heard about the farm and gave them a call and it you know things worked out um but it's we we definitely do not have um a a good recipe i guess you would say um for for that we could share with anybody else to 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 find, you know, um, I don't, I don't even know if I want to say qualified, qualified people, but I guess for like, for a better term, qualified people, but, um, you know, we tried social media and, um, a lot, uh, most of the time it just ends up, um, when you put, put a job out there, um, you kind of end up wasting your time and their time. Um, because, um, I guess, I guess a lot of people don't, fully understand um what the scope of what we're asking to do in a in a job posting and it just you really um I've, I've gotten to the point where i say like you know somebody wants a job okay tell them to come out we'll work them for a day and see see what they think at the end of the day or see what we think at the end of the day because you just really don't know i mean i've been surprised by some people um and i've been i mean both both ways i've been surprised that oh this person um, is a good worker, um, or this person isn't a good worker, you know, so you just don't know until, until they start. And, and basically everybody, um, everybody that, that starts working for us, um, they, they more or less start like picking lettuce. Like we, you know, that's kind of the, the entry level job, I guess you could say. Um, so, um, so it, 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 um, yeah, we, we did not have a, a good recipe for it yet. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's been a challenge, but you're working on it. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about, you know, you've been in this job for a bit now. You, so you've seen some things come and go. Let's talk about beginning farmers. Um, 
mm-hmm. if, if you were to start over again, how would you start? I mean, obviously you're working for someone, so it's a little bit different than starting your own operation, but what would you say, you know, you've seen uh, some of the people that have come, the mistakes they've made? You know, for me, I guess one of the hardest things for me um, in my situation, uh, b- being a farmer, um, we're, my wife and I are um, further away from family okay. um, than, than, I guess not further away than we thought we would be um, early on in our marriage, but um, especially having a child now, now um, it, it just, it makes things more challenging. Um, but thankfully, um, you know, I've got great bosses that are essentially my family here. Okay. Um, and, and so I would say to anybody that it's important who you work for, um, you know, get to know them and make sure that they're good people because, you know, they quite frankly could, could turn into your family. Okay. Um, am I answering your question? Yeah, no. Okay. Um, let's, let's move it a little bit and talk about that employee, empl- uh, the employer re- employee relationship. What, uh, things, um, do your bosses do to make you successful? Yeah, I would say that they're very, they've helped me a lot in, in managing people. Um, I, I would, I would not say that I am a natural manager. Okay. Um, I, I tend to be um, a person that would rather, um, you know, be touching the plant all day and just kind of by myself. Okay. Um, so they've, they've definitely, they, they have a, they both have a background in, um, real estate. So they're, they're really good with people. Um, and I've learned a lot from them, uh, how, how to, um, how to say hard things to people. Um, and, um, and just, you know, just in general, how to, how to manage, um, people. Um, I, I, I don't, you know, I can, I can do, I can figure out a system, um, especially one that's, you know, I, I feel like we have it easier at times than a lot of farmers because, you know, the, the recipe is kind of, is kind of there for, you know, you put this plant in and, um, and, you know, grow it for this long. And, you know, if you need a spray or whatever, you know, and then you pick it this time and, and it's, it's, it's not, this is the acreage or this is the square footage you have, you know, you don't have to uh, think about plowing up another area or whatever. So, um, so I I can handle, I've I've gotten the growing system down um, per, I guess you could say, but I, I still, I still do struggle with, um, managing people. I, am a natural, uh, unfortunately, I guess to some extent, I'm a natural people pleaser. I want to tell people what they want to hear, you know, and, and sometimes that can be detrimental, uh, to, uh, getting a job done. So, um, so yes, they, they've helped me a lot, um, in that regard. And then just, you know, just in life trying to, you know, being, uh, being, uh, I mean, this is my, this is my first job out of college, um, and, uh, you know, they, they've just been great people to me and my wife. Yeah, that's great. Let's talk about, let's wrap this up here a bit. If you could pick sure. one, what would be your favorite farming tool? Ooh, you know, I think I thought about this and to some degree, I, I, I kind of don't want to say like, um, I, the, the only the, the main thing that come to my mind with what I'm doing um, is is plastic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, which which I you know on one hand I'm kind of like oh man I you know that's like I don't want to I don't want to be that guy that, <laughs> that says something like that but um, you know without plastic um, you know we wouldn't have a growing area I mean um, from from what's covering uh, the plants above. To what's covering the ground below, um, what the water is running through, you know, the PVC pipes. Um, um, uh, there's just so much that, um, you know, plastics give us the option to do. And yes. um, so I would say, I would say, yeah, um, plastic is, plastic is, is probably my favorite. Okay. All right. 
Uh, do you believe that now is the best time to be starting to farm? And if so, why? I don't know if I could say that starting a farm is right for everyone right now. Okay. I think that now, I think that any time, the present time is a great time to, for anybody to grow something. Um, if you, you know, if you have a windowsill, you know, grow something in it, on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's just, um, it's a big question of whether, uh, whether everybody should, <laughs> if, if anybody that walked up to me, um, you know, said, Hey, uh, I think about starting a farm. I, I, I would have lots of big questions for them. Um, and actually, um, Lee and Jamie, they got to the point where, um, they have started more or less a consulting kind of a consulting side business because um, they get so many inquiries uh, about people wanting to um, uh, interested in starting, um, you know, like putting up a small greenhouse or, you know, putting mm -hmm. up a, a, a something uh, in, in their backyard and selling to, you know, grocery stores or, or farmers markets or whatever. And they want to do it hydroponically and, and, um, so they started, you know, charging basically for their time as they should. Yes. And, um, and instead, of, instead of having to spend, you know, four or five hours with somebody just like, you know, you know, pulling questions out of them. Um, so, um, so we've had people, um, come by and, 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 you know, pay, pay for a visit basically. And, uh, I, I do remember one time a couple, um, came came out and they paid for two days and they left at the end of the first day and said keep keep the money for the second day because um i've learned everything i i need to know that i i don't need i don't want to do this so um we you know to that i'd say that that um a little bit of money well spent to answer a few mm -hmm. questions um can can answer that question of if if now is a good time for you to start a farm or not <laughs> yeah so the advice you would give someone is hey go talk to some farmers go get some advice from someone who's actually doing it to make sure before you start yes. to spend the time and effort and money in it right yeah right yeah. where can people find out more about you and uh, follow you um so uh just personally uh i have a facebook page um i i guess i don't really post i'm not as active as i used to be on there but i'm it's still it's still there um just it's my name ethan norville and uh then the farm uh, has a facebook page as well that's pretty active um salad Days produce um and uh farm also has a instagram um account uh i believe under the same name and then uh we also have a um uh, website. Okay. Um, also, cool. also by the same name. Yeah. So that would just be, what was, what was the, what's the, what would the web URL? Uh, saladaysproduce.com. Okay. Very cool. Well, Ethan, thank you so much for spending this time with us. Really appreciate you coming on and sharing about what it's like to be a hydroponic farmer at a little bit of scale there. And yeah, uh, yeah appreciate your time and reaching out. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Michael. Looking to start or grow your farm business? You need a compelling farm plan that you can share with investors, convince your significant other with, or just to give yourself peace of mind. We have created a new program called the Start Your Farm Intensive. In it, you'll learn how to develop your farm idea to make sure you take all the factors into consideration for your context and your climate. You'll learn how to craft a one-page business plan that helps clearly define your target customer and lay out the necessary characteristics of your business. You will understand the three financial documents that every farm needs to fill out to make sure you are making money. And we'll give you all that as templates too. So you have the templates to fill out for your farm business. We'll also go through funding. So where to go for funding for the various stages and parts of your business. Starting a farm is hard. Starting a farm without a proven plan is almost impossible. Join us today. Go to growingfarmers.com forward slash start for more information. 
Now, what did past students have to say? Corey says, the exercises and spreadsheets helped me make the learning process easier and more real. Jenna says, I gained the support system and resources I needed for when I'm ready for the next step. And finally, the worksheets make you think out every aspect of the business step by step. Go ahead, join us today, growingfarmers.com forward slash start. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here. Join me as I interview Michelle Patton next week, who is not only a farmer out in uh, the West, but she also does bookkeeping and consulting for farmers on their finances. So we talk all things from um, actually financing your farm and uh, buying equipment. We talk about employees. We talk about 1099s. We talk all things about bookkeeping. And uh, it's a kind of wide-ranging uh, conversation, but one you'll definitely enjoy if you have a farm business. So there you have it, another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.